0: And welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt?
1: I, you know, I'm getting I'm getting hyped for the draft here in a couple days, so I'm 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 getting I'm getting there. Shorter between our last two podcasts, or yes. our last podcast,
0: because the draft is coming up, like you said. And this is like your Christmas. It is. I love it. It's awesome. I love it. That. I'm going to give a shout out to you at the top of this because you put in a lot of work to put like multiple. I mentioned this on the last uh, podcast, but you put together multiple mock drafts, uh, like
1: a comp for every player. It seems like going down to the ones that have a first first round grade on them. Yeah,
0: it's just insane. Like kudos to you. Because like now you're going to look super smart when you get all these predictions right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I'm going to look like a clueless person because I only watch like tournament footage of these guys. But um, before we dive into episode 36 and the NBA draft, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Podcast. Remember to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you haven't already, rate and review us on whatever platform you you choose uh we would greatly appreciate that and thank you so much for doing so uh and last shout out we have an instagram account matt a couch gm podcast go give it a follow we're uh like 22 followers right now we're almost caught up to our twitter account followers which is like kind of cool but get on there get on there uh, matt why don't you take us through a quick recap of
1: episode 35 so short and sweet We talked a lot about the Anthony Davis trade. That was the primary focus, what it means for the Lakers, the Pelicans, the rest of the league. We also talked about uh, different guys picking up or turning down their uh, player options and their contracts. Aaron Baines, Kyrie, Goran Dragic, Marvin Williams, Jonas Valanciunas, Julius Randle. We got a guy to add to that list today. And then also some free agency options and decisions for the Knicks, the Nets, and Kind of how the most recent injuries to the Warriors affects those teams, but other other teams also. That's a quick recap of episode thirty-five.
0: And since we recorded last, there's been a little bit of NBA news. Not a, bit. not a ton, but like with the uh, draft warming up, there's going to be even more. Um, so, a couple main points here. Um, <clears throat> uh, Minnesota is shopping Andrew Wiggins, but will there be any takers?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> this has a lot of money that you got tied up in Andrew Wiggins. For so. long twos.
0: No, thank you. Um, And another piece of news, a couple teams involved in the Anthony Davis saga, Boston and Denver revealed why AD is on the team. Boston wouldn't package Tatum and the Memphis pick, and Denver would not throw in Jamal Murray. Who knows, though, if
1: either of these offers would have actually been good enough. Yeah. It sounds like Boston was willing to do either Tatum or the Memphis pick, but not both. Yeah. And... Ended up being a swing point. And I can understand why Denver doesn't want to trade Jamal Murray. Like, you've invested in him. You've built him. It seems like Steve Kerr, like, even came out and said, like,
0: yeah, he could be the next Steph Curry. He's and, special. Like, and, like, that's something you don't want to trade away and yeah. look like a fool.
1: He's inconsistent at times. But the dude can launch it Yeah, score from anywhere on the court. He was awesome in the playoffs. Um, And what
0: you alluded to earlier, uh, breaking news today... Al Horford declines his thirty million player option, looking for a long-term deal. Could uh, still stay with Celtics.
1: Could still. Um, I think it was reported like he wanted what sixty million over like, three years. Yeah, so twenty million a year. I to me, that means like he he's realizing if I would have taken the thirty million this year, he would not have gotten a two for thirty. Yeah. This next off season. Right. Which maybe would have happened. I don't. I feel like someone would have gave it to him though. But I could understand locking it up or trying to get that sixty million locked up over the next three years if you're Al Horford, whether that's in Boston or somewhere else. I hope it's in Boston. I really enjoy Al Horford. I think he's great for the Celtics. But go get your money.
0: Yeah. I mean like it's awesome that uh like he I feel like a lot of Eastern Conference teams could just offer him because like he's been the anti Giannis dude outside of this playoffs because Giannis was like, I'm yeah. just gonna overwhelm you it didn't matter with Giannis. yeah um but, but he's
1: he's one of the best defenders in the league he's giving him bead fits yeah like he gives people problems and i like the stretch capability he brings to a team he's a really good player seems like he likes playing in boston but you got to go where the money is sometimes yeah sneaky free agent this year yeah. um matt but we're gonna
0: we're about to talk about the number one topic of this week the and that's topic. the draft I, I mean, like, you're excited, but... Yeah. How excited? Like, what's your meter on this? Like, is this, like, Kawhi winning the finals <laughs> excited, or...? Um,
1: maybe Kawhi during the parade. <laughs> like, just kind of going giddy and... Aha aha uh uh That's it. Uh, I, I need to get me one of those boardman Gets Paid New Balance those, shirts. That's a legit shirt. I mean, like, just, like, it looks like Time's New Roman font. Like... <laughs> It's, it's perfect i need one bad um that that's where i'm at right now popping bottles yeah awesome well let's get into it matt like what um talk to me a little bit about the draft and and where you think's gonna happen so we'll let's start with some team perspectives um for the for this thursday's draft so first of all there's a few teams that just don't have a pick denver houston and the la lakers <laughs> Not really surprised considering all those teams have massive pa- payrolls or are about to have massive payrolls. Right. Like, I, I get it. But there's also four other teams that they have second round picks, but no first round picks. So, Sacramento has three second rounders, Dallas has a second rounder, Toronto has a second rounder, and the Clippers have two second rounders. So, seven teams with no first round picks. There are seven teams, then, that have multiple first-round picks. Um, The Pelicans at one and four, the Cavaliers at five and 26, the Hawks at eight, 10, and 17. They have three because they also took one of Brooklyn's, but Brooklyn made it back up at the end of the first round. Mm. The Celtics have three also, 14, 20, and 22, and then the Spurs have 19 and 29. So, five teams with multiple first-round picks.
0: It's crazy. All it cost Toronto was Yaka Pearl, De- DeMar
1: and the 29th pick. To get Kawhi, Kawhi and Danny Green. That's bonkers. Best deal uh, in a long time. Just swindled. The Spurs. <laughs> I'm sorry. They did. I love the Spurs franchise, like this organization that they have, but they got swindled.
0: I feel like you had to demand Pascal Siakam in that trade, looking back on it.
1: Oh, hindsight 2020. Yeah. yeah. You needed more than what you got. At the time, I didn't crush the move. I didn't like it for the Spurs, but I didn't crush it. It looks worse
0: now. Especially with that pick, yeah. Like, you're not even getting, like, really a lottery pick. Which, like, I mean, like, the Pelicans just got a four pick. Yeah.
1: A, a high lottery pick for Anthony Davis. Yeah. And maybe there is just because you thought AD would resign that they got more out of it. But, I mean, what do you expect? I don't think this pick would have been better than, like, 24 from toronto yeah like i i don't know what the expectation was maybe the spurs are fine with it they're like we get two first round picks and we like the team we have we don't care if it's a lottery pick we don't love the draft anyway there's gonna be drafting stash guys anyway yeah i don't know at least they have two picks and maybe they try and do something with it or maybe they just kind of do spurs things and draft a six foot two guard (laughs) you know (laughs) who knows so that's kind of the the bigger team perspectives on who will be players in the draft and who kind of isn't because let's face it most second round picks don't make it in the nba for too long so yeah sacramento has three second round picks but who knows how impactful those guys can actually actually be i don't know, maybe if you're just looking for a depth piece here or there it's fine though i i'm a fan of getting good value in the second round so those teams aren't out of the draft. I mean there's like
0: been plenty of I mean documented players who are really good in the NBA right now who've come in
1: the second round. Yeah. And we'll get to four or five guys that I think if they don't go in the first, they're definitely going in the second round that I think can make an impact. We'll get to them in a little bit. But I wanna just because kind of what we do on the Couch GM podcast <laughs> is just wild speculation and like people moving up in the draft people moving down the draft players or, or picks getting moved I want to get into some teams that might be moving up in the draft so I got I think five teams listed here and you've heard a couple of their names already so the Hawks why would you just sit at 8 and 10 if you feel like there's someone in this top five that you really love so whether it's packaging 8 and 10 or 8 and 17 probably 8 and 10 though is there a, a Cam Reddish or someone that you just absolutely fall in love with? I feel like there is. Yeah. The Wizards, they have the number nine pick. So I could see because they have no assets. Like they have nothing there. <laughs> like you have like four players under contract for over a hundred million dollars. Like, yeah. You have no player to trade, so to package your pick this year and a future first. You might be able to move up in this draft if there's someone you you really like that maybe. Falls a little more than you think they will, but won't fall in a 9. I'm wondering if the Hornets can package number 12 and either a future first or Malik Monk. Because Malik Monk's been an NBA player, I guess. I
0: mean, it's what going into his third season this upcoming yeah. season. And he hasn't, like, for being a lottery pick, hasn't really made an impact. And especially again. being taken out of Donovan Mitchell.
1: Yikes. And <laughs> if you feel like Kimba's coming back, I think... I think we know a Malik Monk, Kimball Walker backcourt just isn't going to work. So maybe you feel like you can shop him and move up into the top 10. Again, the Celtics, they got three picks. So maybe they're moving 14 and 20 to to move up into the early teens or somewhere in that 8, 9, 10 range. And then the Magic, I'm thinking they have number 16. Again, I don't know if they have a lot of assets to trade. I mean... I don't know if they're ready to move on from like a Mo Bamba or an Aaron Gordon. Um, I'm I'm thinking not at this point. So maybe package 16 in a future first if there's someone you really like that's falling a little bit and you can try and get into that same 8, 10, 12 range. So five teams that might move up. But now here's where we're going to get a little more off the wall. Some potential intriguing players, like current NBA players, who might get moved on draft night. I love it. There's not th- this is not like very sourced information. This is I mean some of these guys like we've heard the rumblings. Some of them though like you don't know. Yeah. And there's there's a reason behind all of them. Right. So we'll we'll kind of alternate going through these guys. Ryan, will you start off the first one we've got here? Yeah. So Kevin
0: Love, Cleveland wants to get off money off the books and a different path. Like obviously they're needing to rebuild. Um, and maybe they can get like higher in the draft,
1: like what they're, they're five right five? now. So if you wanted to move up into like that three spot, the Knicks are desperate for a star. Yeah. Could you get the Knicks to take Kevin Love and you get three and take back something else? Maybe like RJ Smith or J.R. Smith. Excuse me. Yeah. So like there, there are options there, I think. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Love gets moved and that way Cleveland just goes full youth movement. Colin Sexton, whoever you draft, and just ride the, the tank hard. I like that.
0: Like and that leads into next year probably getting another pick, like a high draft yeah. pick. And like the East isn't like, super competitive, especially with how much like uprooting there could be. So like you could sneakily like make a playoff
1: push at the end yeah. of the year. Which is weird. That is, that is. So the second guy we have here is Paul Millsap. Um, I don't... One, Paul Millsap, um, His contract is, is a little bit weird. He has a $30.5 million team option oh, for, for next money. year. It's a lot of money. I'm not sure Denver wants that money on the books because they're right at the tax line already. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is Denver trying to get under the tax... So pick it up, trade him, though, to get under the tax, and to kind of just take a bet on Michael Porter Jr. The reports are he's looking better, but he's going to be in his, I guess, his Ben Simmons rookie year, and he's never played an NBA minute. Uh, I don't I, I don't know. Like, Paul Millsap, for the most part in the playoffs,
0: was so good defensively until, like, halfway through that Portland series was just cooking Portland.
1: Yeah. I I I am a big Paul Millsap fan. I'm just throwing that out there. But are they willing to pay that much in Denver, knowing that you have Nikola Jokic in his big contract? You know that Gary Harris's contract's picking up. You know you're going to have to start paying Jamal Murray because he's at four and a half for this upcoming season. Like he's going to be getting an extension. Right. Otherwise, you throw him in the Anthony Davis trade. Right. So, it's like, there's a lot of money on your books coming up. Paul Millsap, I don't know if he's a long-term piece there. Unless you feel like you're a championship team, I think Paul Millsap might be someone who gets moved. Yeah. And they're not in this draft right now. Paul Millsap would definitely get them into the top 20 in this draft if there's someone you like there. Just throwing it out there. Um. So, the next
0: guy, this kind of could be interesting, DeMontis Sabonis. Um. There's been a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, like, back and forth in Indiana what has been reported about uh, Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis fit together long-term. So, like, you have to choose one. And, like, you could get a dude in this draft, maybe even a Mike Conley, if you want to go that route for DeMontis Sabonis and some other assets. Yeah. um, Like, that's obviously something Indiana is going to toy with. I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on, but they'll definitely toy with it.
1: Indiana's at 18 right now in the draft. Maybe Sabonis is just your sweetener to move up in the draft. Yep. So maybe that's his his role in the trade, or maybe it's just to get a bigger name too. But you're right. I think we have to unclog that Turner-Sabonis frontcourt because... They don't fit together. They just don't. You, you tried. They just don't fit together. It was, I think it was worth the try though. And you got Victor Oladipa out of that trade still with the Thunder. Yeah. So it was worth it. A win for sure. The next guy, it's the one that you just mentioned. It's the one that's getting a lot of publicity. It's Mike Conley. We're assuming all the reports are Memphis is in love with Ja Morant. You can't play Ja Morant and Mike Conley together. Just not possible. You, you, you can't do it. So unless you're saying Ja Morant sit behind Mike Conley for a year, then I don't, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You got to let Ja play. Cause the only things he really needs to fix are the jump shot, like and you can't do that in just practice. Like you gotta get in the game. And turnovers. You can't fix that in practice. You gotta be in the game to do that. So you can't be paying Mike Conley the outrageous contract he has and be fostering John Morant's development. So Mike Conley, I think he's gotta get gone, start over and get a new point guard to pair with Jaron Jackson Jr. and again ride this tank. Take it somewhere that will hopefully get you in a good place in a couple years. Because Memphis, be realistic right now. Please be realistic right now. You're not making the playoffs. Right. You can keep Mike Conley. You're not making the playoffs. Stay it. You got lucky with how high you got in this draft. Let's not rely on luck anymore. <laughs> right. Especially with their pick conveying to Boston
0: next year. Yeah. Um, It's unfortunate, but like you just have to accept that
1: for what it yeah. is this year. And Mike Conley can get you some really good assets. Yes. Moving forward. Absolutely. Um this breaks my heart to say your boy
0: Stephen Adams is on the trade block. Um the Thunder desperately need to get under the uh, tax and also find good value at center like a Brook Lopez, which Brook Lopez is a one in like a I don't know career type of player like when you get him for I don't know, what is it, $8 million, whatever it was this season? Oh, it was way less than that. <laughs> like, minimum,
1: essentially. Yeah. Um, and Steven Adams is, what like, making mid-20s right now. He's going to be scheduled to make $25.8 million next What's year. What's
0: Anthony Davis making?
1: <laughs> About <laughs> Rough, that. <yeah. laughs> but, so, for context, that's what, like, Steven Adams
0: is making. And, like, the Thunder are capped out at this point and obviously have to do something. This team, it feels like it has hit its max of what it can do and um steven adams obviously is a piece that unfortunately i think has to go but what does that look like for the thunder in terms of draft their um pick number twenty twenty-one. 21 i don't know if steven adams plus 21 gets you how far it gets you um up in the draft but it could get you a nice like player it, it might get a you player. into the lottery maybe and, like, the Thunder have been not good at picking in recent years. <laughs> so I don't know if that's what I want, but, like,
1: that's a very real possibility. You're right. And, again, value. Right. You, so on some level, you need value because the Thunder right now are scheduled to pay out $147 million for next year. And that number could keep going up. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to fill out the team because right now I think you only have, like, 10 guys under contract for next year you got to make some decisions right now i think the slash there with steven adams too is dennis schroeder yeah i wouldn't be surprised if schroeder's gone too at 15 and a half it's a lot for backup point guard yikes and a backup point guard who does what schroeder does yes so i like him i like steven adams a lot but it's a business you gotta make business decisions sometimes the the next guy we have Going, going out on wing player because we haven't really hit on wings yet wings we, we say are really the most valuable position so a guy that really hasn't worked out is Josh Jackson in Phoenix mm. it seems like they've got too many guys there, they got Mikhail, um Bridges in last year's draft they gave TJ Warren an extension um, that's paying him I think like over $12 million a year Oof. and Josh Jackson is still kind of struggling to find his way in the NBA I know he's a top four pick in, in his draft, but it seems like they are leaning away from him. And you have Devin Booker, like you can't even play him at the two. So that tells me Josh Jackson, he's just not destined for the Phoenix future unless he's accepting a backup role, but you don't draft someone at number four to be a backup. So capitalize maybe on what potential stock some teams might still have in Josh Jackson because I think there were teams who really liked him coming into his draft but there's just too many guys there James Jones the GM has talked about we want some veterans to come in here and help guide these young guys I bet Josh Jackson can fetch you a couple nice veteran pieces or at least one and some cap relief or something so maybe he's a guy that's on the move not a high profile guy not someone that's probably going to even help your team next year if your team does acquire him but maybe in a couple years, he gets in a new system, more chances. Maybe it works out. Maybe he's just a bust. Yeah. But I don't know. Take the chance.
0: Yeah, I like that. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, another interesting team, constantly being two years, three, two to three They're years away. Always two years away. Um, last guy we'll talk about here briefly: Bradley Beal is Washington going to blow
1: it up, or are they going to make Bradley Beal stick around for the rebuild? Well, considering they think they're a playoff team, oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess Bradley Beale should be staying around, but if they're realistic, I think they have to start wondering more and more and more, is this the right way? And something to to not forget, if they're trying to bring in Masai Ujiri, when Toronto brought in Masai Ujiri, he wanted to blow it up. Yeah. And they elected not to, like, ownership, and, and everyone decided not to. And so they kept it and it ended up working out okay he steps over here and he sees the John wall situation, Bradley Beal, like he's being as professional as he can, but let's not act like this has been a perfect situation for him either. Could he get his blow it up? Wish his, his grand experiment to see, I, can I build a team from nothing? I think like, I mean, like you can get
0: a lot for Bradley Beal because he was awesome. Like he didn't make the all NBA team. Right. Yeah, no, he, he got votes, but he didn't make it in. He was like borderline. He's, Um, But, like, he was awesome, and, like, he's going to win you games you don't want to win if you're blowing it up. Like, yeah. That's just the reality of it. Like, he's going to hit some big shots, and, like, you don't want that on a team trying to get to the bottom, even though, like, we've seen, like, the Lakers move up from, what, like, 10 to 4,
1: whatever yeah. it was. Um, You just don't want that, ultimately, so... And, you know, if the Knicks, we've talked about them, star hunting doesn't work out, the Knicks got the number three pick. Uh, Does Steven Adams and Bradley Beal work together (laughs) in New York? Yikes. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, they can't be much worse than they were this last year. And if you're trying to be better, I guess it's better. I don't know if it's good, (laughs) but it's better. Sure. Let's go with that. Uh,
0: Matt, talk to me about uh, you have... So many draft boards, big draft boards. Um, Again, talk to I'm, me about your, your like, 30 prospects that so, you are looking
1: at. So this is not the in-detail look at them. This is just right. kind of running through the tiers right. of them. So my top two tiers for the top seven players in this draft, and this is in order, would obviously go Zion at one, John Morant, R.J. Barrett. I'm still there on Cam Reddish. Darius Garland, the point guard, out of Vanderbilt. Derek Culver, a wing out of Texas Tech. And DeAndre Hunter, uh, a forward out of the University of Virginia. So that's like the top level guys. Those are in in my um, big board. Those are guys who my tiers for them are either superstar guys or a talented next guy potential. Again, it's not a certainty with any of them, but I think those could be like a top, two top three guys on some really good teams, if they pan out. So the next big grouping is potential NBA starters. So this would be prospects number eight through 21. Some of these, if you watched college basketball, you're gonna recognize all these names. If you didn't watch college basketball, a few of them um, are gonna come as a surprise. And then there's a couple international guys in here too. So starting at number eight, Seiko Demboye, um he's from France. He's a nice wing forward prospect. Brandon Clark, a uh, big man from Gonzaga. Well, he's kind of big. We'll, we'll talk to him <laughs> a little bit. Um, Kobe White, a combo guard out of North Carolina. Gogo Pettace, um, a, a big man from the nation of Georgia. What a name. I know, right? Um, he looks like what you think a Gogo would look like. <laughs> um, too. Um, he's at number 11. Kevin Porter Jr, uh, a guard wing from USC. Romeo Langford from the University of Indiana. He's another wing. Notice how I have a lot of wings up in the top it's of my crazy. draft. Crazy, like
0: wings are the most valuable huh. asset in the um, NBA. who knew?
1: But then we're going to start getting in some bigs here too. So Grant Williams, uh, a power forward out of the University of Tennessee. Nick Claxton, uh, kind of an awkward big man out of the University of Georgia, but I like him a lot. Rui Hachimura, another power forward from the University of Gonzaga. Jackson Hayes, a center from the University of Texas. Nikhil Alexander Walker, he's a kind of this weird combo guard from Virginia Tech. It's like weird, ambidextrous, can shoot with both hands guy. Um, you might recognize his cousin, Shea Gildas Alexander, um, for the LA Clippers. Nasir Little is a, I would say he's a forward, I guess, out of University of North Carolina. We'll talk about his confusing draft prospect-ness in a little bit. <laughs> Cam Johnson, a, a wing out of North Carolina, and then Lucas Samanach, um, another wing forward type. That's So between him, Seiko Demboye, Gogo Patate, those are kind of your international guys um, that I think will probably make a name for themselves in this, this draft. If you're not familiar with them, Go get on YouTube, go find him. <laughs> um, I, I really like Lucas Simonach more than most because he went from being a kind of like a two hundred and eight two hundred and five pound wing, but he's like six foot eleven Ooh. and so it's like he was very clearly still filling out his body, and then basically, since the new year he's put on about twenty pounds, and so he's like, I realized I need to get bigger and stronger, and so he did something about it, and he's one of the youngest players in this draft, so I like that he recognized. I'm, a, I'm the stereotypical white, skinny guy from Europe, and I'm going to do something about it. Nice. So I, I like that um, from him already. And then we kind of get into this, our strong role players. Um, guys that I don't think they'll be NBA starters, really. Um, these are numbers 22 through 30. Carson Edwards. Um, everyone recognizes him from the tournament. Um, the guard out of Purdue. Tyler Harrow, um, another guard wing out of the University of Kentucky. PJ Washington, a forward out of the University of Kentucky. Lou Dort um, from Arizona State, uh, kind of this weird guard wing prospect. Um, looks like a power forward, but he's only six foot four. He maybe a good comp in terms of his body is Marcus Smart, so mm. you can envision that type of a yep. guy. Bull, bull. I know I'm lower on Bulbul than most having him in this tier, but we'll talk on him more (laughs) in a bit and his whatever you want to call his status. I call it questionable. Um, Keldon Johnson, a a wing forward out of the University of Kentucky. Matisse Thibel, a wing out of the University of Washington. Ty Jerome, a guard from the University of Virginia. And then Casey Akpala, a wing forward out of the University of Stanford. There are a handful of other guys that I think could go in the first round, but those are my top 30 prospects. So let's talk about a few of them a little more in depth right now. So first of all, everyone's favorite prospect, Zion Williamson. Number one pick. We've, we've tried not to talk about him too much throughout our podcast just because we were saving it. But far and away, if, if for some reason we couldn't agree on the number one pick in last year's draft, there's no dispute this year. Yes. There's there's absolutely none. Right. It is Zion a hundred times out of a hundred. If you passed on him, like you would get fired the next day as the GM, <laughs> like just straight up. <laughs> Obviously he's a this freak of nature, and somehow still has a ton of room to grow on the offensive end. Can you imagine if he gets a jump shot? It's scary. Like the
0: dude was just like an absolute monster, like getting out in the open floor this year for Duke. Um, if he can get like a jump shot like lebron
1: like lebron's not a fantastic jump shooter he's grown into that if he can catch and shoot at a average nba clip in the next three years i would be ecstatic if i'm new orleans absolutely and like
0: the fun thing about zion like i've been thinking about the lineups like after this crazy trade they made with the lakers is like you could play like zion at the five and kind of be okay with it yeah, like, that's the fun part. Like he could play like one through five essentially, and
1: that's the awesome part of Zion Williamson. Yeah, is he, he can just fit anywhere. Now he may need to lose a few pounds, but you deal with that when you get to it. Until right. it's a problem, honestly, you're not too worried about it. Because right now, you just take him and you just run. An Alvin Tree system lends itself well to transition. You just grab and go, Zion. Throw it to Lonzo and then get it right back for a massive dunk. Yeah, there you go. Um, Zion will get 20 points a game doing that um, in Alvin Gentry's system, which is great. Like that's like I think there's gonna be like obviously growth
0: for this young Pelicans team, but like Zion's just gonna be so fun to watch.
1: He is. Like he's
0: gonna be the main attraction of the whole thing.
1: The Pelicans might be the the top league pass team this upcoming year. Let's face it, they're not gonna get on national television that much. Absolutely. But if you got League Pass, they'd be a fun, fun team. We're not just talking about like team fits with each of these guys. It's just we know Zion's going one. So <laughs> we had to throw it out there. Right. Um, so John Morant is the number two prospect for me. He's a terrific point guard. He can score at all three levels. The jump shot needs a little refining, but that's okay. Again, his one big problem is turnovers. I wonder if it's... He played at Murray State, which was weird that you don't usually have number two prospects from Murray State right. type schools. Um, that he literally had to do everything in the world for them. So I'm wondering if that was a little bit of the problem with this turnovers. Like usually like you, you try and project players based off like their per 36 minutes. Because college basketball is only a 40-minute game. Well, he averaged more than 36 minutes played per game. <laughs> so it was like kind of weird because it's like, wait a minute. We're actually knocking your numbers down. Um, he's still a pretty young guy. He played two seasons at Murray State, but it, he's actually a really young prospect. Um, still, he was young for his age. Um, I think Cam Reddish is even older than him. Um, it's crazy. So don't feel like just because he's a sophomore, you're getting this older... Guy, you're really just getting a guy with more collegiate experience. So I think that'll be helpful for whatever team he goes to. We're assuming Memphis. Which has translated well. Like the more experience
0: in college basketball has translated well recently in the NBA Mm -hmm. too.
1: Especially at the point guard position. Yeah. Like just having guys who have run pick and roll before that know how to find weak side guys. Which John Morant, he's a wonderful passer. His highlights are his dunks. Right. But he is a wonderful passer, and I think Jaron Jackson Jr. will really appreciate, even though he's a rookie point guard, really appreciate having Ja Morant um, in there with him. We got three more of my favorite prospects right now. So this is one that I'm assuming not a lot of people know about, but it, we mentioned him in, in the uh, in the second potential NBA starters part of the top 30 prospects. That's Seiko Domboye. So he's from France. He is the youngest player in this draft um he's still only eighteen years old he's transformed he's like six foot nine he has a six eleven wingspan uh he's as bouncy as they come he's you wish he has a little more wingspan length but he's he's just so athletic that he makes up for it and his trajectory makes you think like he's on a good path because he couldn't shoot yeah like it was it looked like a guy who kind of he put the ball like above his head and <laughs> just kind of flung it at the basket <laughs> threw it at the basket and now you can you can go find Mike Schmitz's tape on him you can go find more game tape on him the jump shot has come a long way in the last year alone like it just looks like a fairly clean jump shot now it's a little slow on the release cuz he's mm. still getting used to it but he can catch and shoot a corner 3 like pretty easily now he will probably be able to extend that to catch and shoot anywhere in the three-point line in the next couple of years. And then if you feel great about maybe him moving a little more, he's a definite top 10 pick for you. I think... I don't know if he ever gets there to that, like coming off a screen type. Yeah. But if he can... A popular comp is Pascal Siakam. Mm. I don't know if he's ever Pascal, but... If he could be just like a super elite version of Mo Harkless, I think that's still a really good player, because Mo Harkless had a lot of hype coming out of St. John's. It's just like the motor was never there. Right. And it could never fully translate, but you see him still in flashes for Portland, be like, dang, he, he has some just natural talent. Right. I feel that way about Dimboye. He has some natural talent that if he keeps working the way he has, the trajectory keeps going. He might end up being a top six or seven player in this draft when we look back at it. For me, I do wonder about fit. If he goes to someone that needs him to be a dude right away, I think that's a wrong situation, though. Yeah. So there's a little bit of condition with him. Another one of my favorite prospects, and I didn't like this guy. I've come to like him. It's Grant Williams. Everyone's about this dude on NBA Twitter, draft Twitter. So the problem with Grant Williams is his size. Like that's just straight up the the problem, in that he, I think he measured like six foot seven. Let me pull this up. He measured at six seven and a half in shoes. Uh Oh. So that's what gets you a little bit worried about him. But at the same time, he had a six ten wingspan. Love that. So it. Even though, yes, the natural height isn't quite what you'd want, the wingspan's still really good for a power forward in the NBA. And he's absolutely massive. Like, the dude is a Mack truck. He weighs 240 pounds. (laughs) It looks good on him. He played three years at Tennessee. He was a two-time All-SEC Player of the Year. But he's only the age of a sophomore. So, like, he started college early. So, again, with that same job rant idea, he kind of got an extra year of college in. For free, um, for free, yeah. So you feel good about that, even though he's he obviously is a bigger guy. His like body fat percentage at the NBA combine only came in at five point four percent. Holy God! So <laughs> it's not like he was just like flabby, right? He's, he's not at all. He's just chiseled. He's, <laughs> he's not Zion level, but like he's in the next tier of body makeup yeah. below that, and so. Even more importantly than that to me is he's actually shown ability in college to score. Yeah, the three-point shooting is still on the upcoming. <laughs> Sorry, we got um, the the mower going outside <laughs> right as we're talking about Grant Williams. Clearly not a Tennessee fan over there. <laughs> um, but the three-point shot isn't quite where you want it yet. Mm. But he clearly has touch right in, inside of 10 feet the dude's automatic like he had games where he would shoot like 15 20 free throws in a game and not miss a free throw like he very clearly has shooting touch it just hasn't extended out to the three-point line yet and i wonder a little bit is that a rick barnes tennessee thing as much as a grant williams thing i don't know but i would bet on it honestly working out his mobility is fantastic honestly like all the nba combine drills he was elite in terms of movement ability or quick twitch ability inside the lane. So I think it'll work out for him. It's just what level do you expect him to play at? If you need him to be right. a 20 point per game scorer, I don't think he's going to do that. Right. But if you need 14 points, six rebounds, two and a half assist, a block and a steal a game in efficient minutes, I think that's Grant Williams. Kind of like a Draymond desk type yeah. player. He, I don't know if he's quite grab and go, yeah. But he's a really smart player, and he's not gonna make mistakes. So yeah. if, if you are a a team that I I have in my latest mock going to the Celtics up, or no, I have him going a little higher. I'm going to Charlotte at twelve. You just, you think you are a playoff team and you need a smart guy to come in there and, and kind of be a short pick and roll guy. Him and Kimbo would dominate in that. So that's kind of like a, a brink of the playoff team or a playoff team would love to get Grant Williams and my last guy's Cam Johnson I like tall wings who can shoot (laughs) Cam Johnson is six foot nine and he's literally the best three point shooter in this draft yeah he played five years of college basketball and so that's the big knock on him but he's tall and he can shoot and literally he can stand there he can run off of screens and like before he's even set he can go up with a shot and hit it at above 40% clip the dude is automatic. He's going to be in the NBA for 10 plus years just because he can shoot the lights out. And with the way the NBA is going, you need a Cam Johnson on your team. He's going to go in the 20s in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes like 17, 18, 19, but he's probably going in the 20s and whoever gets him, they're going to be like, this dude can play tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's part of the appeal. The way he can play tomorrow and the reason he can play tomorrow are why I love Cam Johnson. Feels like a Spurs dude at 19. Oh, 100%. Like, he can play the three um, for that team. Because I just don't want them to draft another small guy. Yeah. So, whether he's an NBA starter or not, it's a little questionable. But for sure off the bench, and I really think anything that gets him that's, like, a playoff team is going to love having him on their team. So, those are, like, my top five favorite prospects. I wouldn't rate them one, two, three, four, five, like, on a big board, But just in terms of guys, I just... I love them. That's it. head over heels for these dudes. Yeah. And and for a lot of them, it's because, like, they can come in tomorrow and do something for you. Right. And they still have room to grow. That's what I like about most of these guys. The potential plus, like, you already have most experience. Yeah. Outside of, like, Zion. But even so, like... he, he's just in a completely different category. Yes. And yeah, the thing I like about to like about Demboye is he's been playing professionally in France in like their high league. So like he's been playing as a grown man now for a couple of years. So, it's crazy when you're not playing against chairs <laughs> like you actually develop as a player. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who Ta- Talking about playing against a chair and looking good. Um, <laughs> you get into my least appealing prospects. So again, I got five guys here. And I'll spend a little less time on them because I'm trying to be positive. Right. Trying not to be so negative here because I think these five guys... They, they can make it in the NBA, but they need some pretty significant fine-tuning. So two of my top four guys are in this list, R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. So R.J. Barrett, we've talked about him. He's a fierce competitor, puts it all out there, but sometimes he's a little too overbearing to play with because he thinks he's the best player on the court. Russell Westbrook 2.0 right here is what you're telling me. It feels <laughs> like it. My my comp for him when we talked about him previously was a too confident DeMar DeRozan. Um, because he does he's not a three point shooter really. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the NBA when he gets a little more spacing, when it's more catch and shoot, that percentage will go up. But part of it's the mental aspect of the game for him. I know he wants to be great, mm. and you can you can tell that, he'll tell you that. But I do wonder about his mentality sometimes and how that translates to being on a team because you have to like we talked about with the lakers and anthony davis trade, you have to put five guys out on a basketball court <laughs> whether you want to or not crazy, you have to Crazy concept um and like he was like for a while not going to workouts with other teams besides the knicks and then you hear like today from jonathan gavoni that the knicks are bringing in darius garland for an emergency workout tomorrow Before the draft and so it's like dude what if you don't go to the Knicks Yeah, (laughs) Um, I I wonder about RJ Barrett in that way there's a lot of skill there and I I appreciate guys who want to be great but there's some hurdles you gotta work through and it's gonna take a very specific type of coach to get through to him I wonder if the Knicks is really the best situation for him Um, I wonder I, I would prefer him to go elsewhere but it's not my call. I hope it works out for him, but I have to have him in the top three because he's that good. Yeah, I mean like a wing who can kind of shoot and like finish around the rim. So he was sneaky bad about finishing around the rim. So Cam Reddish, his teammate, and we'll take a 10 a moment, like gets crushed for being a bad finisher in the lane. Like Cam Reddish finished like 46% of his shots in the lane this year, awful. R.J. Barrett was only at, like, 51%. (laughs) It's it's not that much better. And it's just because R.J. Barrett, he's just out of control sometimes. He just, like, he sees a lane for a split second to drive in, and he takes it. Yeah. It's like, where are you going? Like, you have good intentions, but where are you going? Like, in high school, he was just so athletic.
0: He could beat anybody.
1: He's 6'7". Right. Like, he's a bigger wing. Like, he's 6'7", like, 205 pounds. He looks the part it's not high school anymore and it's not even like lower ACC play anymore. We're talking about, we're talking about the NBA where everyone's six foot seven and super good at what they do. So humble yourself a little bit. It's kind of where I'm at. And then with Cam Reddish, it's, it's kind of the antithesis of this. He can actually hit three point shots. Good shooter. Yeah. He, he's very natural, very flowy with, with a game. But as opposed to RJ Barrett, like, Just the mentality, the Kobe mentality that he has with Cam Reddish. I you wonder like, is he always going to bring it? Is he always going to be this present guy on the court, or is he just going to be those guys who looks great against the chair? Yeah. Because all of his pre-draft videos and workouts, that's all you see, and the dude makes everything. Like he makes it look easy. It's he looks like the most natural athlete on the floor, for sure. He's not explosive but he like glides and it's like how he covers space and like just a couple steps and just has this beautiful finish at the rim and workouts is incredible but we saw game tape at duke like we actually watched basketball games and he he just like disappears you're six foot nine like 210 215 pounds with maybe the most skill of anyone on that duke team and you disappeared for 10, 20 minutes at a time. That can't happen. Right. I, I wonder if on the complete opposite end, he's like too passive. Maybe if you go to like a Cleveland at number five and they're like, dude, we need you to score right now. Maybe you start kind of building up that quote unquote junkyard dog mentality. Maybe Colin Sexton can kind of share some of that with him. But I do wonder, is, is he always gonna be presently there? Your team is he just
0: gonna kind of hide in the corner like a Andrew Wiggins for kind of stretches of the game? It's like, oh, he's
1: on the floor, yeah. And it's like, well, what kind of value is that in top five of the draft? It's not, not. it's not. <laughs> if the skill is actually being shown on the court, then it is, but if it's not, then I don't know what else he can do for your team because he kind of just checks out, yeah. And maybe that's just an 18, 19 year old kid. I can accept that on some level. But if you're expecting a team to spend a top ten draft pick on you, that you need more than that, you you just do straight up. A guy who's kind of fallen across draft boards is Romeo Langford. He was a top ten recruit nationally. He played a year at Indiana. Um, straight up, he was a bad shooter at Indiana. He shot like 27% from three, and for a six foot six, 215 pound, he was kind of the lead guard for Indiana. But in the NBA, he's probably more of a two three. Um, that's not good. And then comes out after the year, and we could see, like, he had his hand taped up at various points throughout the year, that he was, I think he had, like, a torn ligament in his thumb. Um, and I'm sure that did play a part in the bad shooting, for sure. But it's like, okay, did it knock you down from 30% to 27%? Did it knock you down from 35% down to this mediocre number? I don't know, and it's really hard to tell. And maybe it's just there's more there's more to it than an injury but it's hard to know honestly if that dude cuz he got hurt back in November if he would have just shut it down yeah he would have been a top 10 pick this year straight up same way with Darius Garland he had the knee injury he maybe could have come back um before the end of the Vanderbilt season but their season went in the tank yeah. so it didn't matter um but Darius Garland's going to be like a top 10 top 5 pick because he shut it down and we were just Took five games and knew his high school tape. If Romeo Langford did the same thing with his thumb injury, it's top ten pick. There is something to be said about like like I get like
0: it probably like devalued his shooting like you've said, but like you kind of need a dude to play through an injury sometimes. Yeah. and I get like you're not getting paid in college, so like of course shut
1: it down. Like this that was the smart thing. Yeah, but I do appreciate the effort at least. Yeah. Oh, he's he's got an a mindset similar to RJ Barrett. Like he just really wants to be good at basketball and really cares about it. Like the dude didn't play defense at all in high school. And like he played defense in Indiana. He yep. was it always super consistent. No, he looked like a guy who was playing defense for the first time in his life, but he's got the frame. He's got the physical makeup. And in the bigger games, he showed up to play defense. Mm. And so it's like the dude can do it. It's just the consistency of his game. He needs to go to somewhere where, they're going to hold him accountable. Yeah. They're not just going to let him keep shooting or not just going to let him just keep running the offense. They need someone to sit him down every now and then and be like, dude, that's not how we we're going to do it in the NBA. If he can go to a good situation, Romeo Langford will work out. If he goes somewhere and it's just very unstructured, it's, it might be a crap show. <laughs> just being honest. I'd <laughs> saying there's a lot of talent there. Well, right. with all three of those guys we just talked about, there's a lot of talent there. But it's how do you put it into a game? and not just a workout. Yeah. It's a big difference. And then same thing with Nasir Little. Again, top 10 recruit in the country, but he could barely get on the floor for North Carolina. That's a huge red flag to me. Like I really think Roy Williams is an excellent head coach in college. You couldn't get on the floor. Like what does yeah. that mean?
0: Yeah. And he talks about that a little in, his, in like a draft interview. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of appreciate him owning it. Like yeah, I just like I wasn't comfortable in situation. Not throwing shade at Roy Williams or the coaching staff there, but, like, essentially what he said was, like, I just was not comfortable in my role, and, like, I never really stepped into it. Yeah. And owned it. Um, I appreciate about that That about him. But what are you doing about it? Right. Like, what are you – Like, if you recognize that, like, why weren't you trying to fit in? Why weren't you trying to get better? Why weren't you, like – and he had some nice plays there towards the tournament. Like, in the tournament, he yeah. played really well. He had, like, a 20-point game, I think, in the tournament at mm-hmm. one
1: point. Um, and he was really good. But other than that, it's like... Yeah. Again, the the height is kind of an issue with him. He's only six foot six in shoes. Um, but he's got a 7'1 wingspan. That's like, awesome. He has ridiculously long arms. He's already at the NBA Combine weighed in at 224. I think he's a good, like, small ball four. Either yeah. a big three or a really fantastic small ball four. I think he can find a good place in the NBA. He Just to be a small ball four, you have to shoot. I think he can. I've, I've seen enough to think he can. But, again, we saw such a small sample size at North Carol- Carolina that I'm not fully sure. I definitely think he's a top 20 pick. I would have him more towards 20 than 10, but I don't think he's going to go where I think he should go. I think he's going to be a lottery pick because someone's going to buy into the potential of him.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, this dude, like you said, was kind of like a top five pick projection, like even top three projection before this year, and, like, he slipped way down a lot of
1: people's boards. You Um, can't start that high, though, and then slip into the 20s most of the time.
0: Right, without
1: some sort of red flag like you said so that's why i think he'll still get a top 20 um call uh, but i i do wonder like he he has a little josh jackson feel to me like, mm-hmm. it's like are you a are you a legit second contract guy or are you kind of playing for a second contract because nasir little's talent should be he's a first sure second nba contract guy but i don't know and then one more, um, notice how all these are freshmen who had outrageous expectations and just didn't li- really live up to them. The last guy's Keldon Johnson. I And the last time we talked about him, he's kind of rigid. He's I think he came in at six foot nine though. He, he looks like an NBA wing. If you just sat him down, looked at him, you, you think he belongs. He works hard. I just don't know if he's ever a consistent um, offensive player. He can kind of do a catch-and-shoot three in college. Um, he's like 34%, I think, at Kentucky. I don't know, though, if he has to take a couple steps back in the NBA, that he's ever going to be anything more than a catch-and-shoot three guy. And I think he can play defense. He, yeah. he works really hard. And I think that's what helps him more than anything on defense. I don't know if he's actually a good player just defender you know like there's a difference between being athletic and just having really great size and therefore you can make up for being a bad defender or an average defender or being like a really good NBA defender not it's not fair to compare anyone to like Draymond level defensively but like somewhere in that well above average range I don't think Keldon Johnson's ever going to be that defensively he's just too rigid of an athlete like it just doesn't translate onto an NBA court. So although he looks the part, just body-wise, I don't know what that looks like on an NBA court. I think he's definitely getting picked in the 20s. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked in the 15 to 20 range, though. I'm just thinking more... He he doesn't have the upside I want. Yeah. And in this case, like he's kind of useful, but with a lower ceiling. Mm. So go into a good situation in the 20s that'll let you grow, let you develop. He probably honestly needs to spend a little time in the G League. Um, but I the reason I have him on the least appealing list is because I saw some people having him at like top 15. And I'm like, mm. at the beginning of the year, I understood the idea. But yeah. now, now I don't. Yeah. It's like one of those like
0: his ceiling is kind of low but his floor is also kind of low low at the same time. So it's it's like,
1: like, what are you really getting?
0: Right. Which it could be a good player, but like
1: a good solid NBA player, but the chances of that are just super low. That's why I'm not taking the chance until the 20s. Yeah, And that's where I have in in my mock is going um, to Golden State at 28. They need wing depth. There you go. There you go. He can kind of play defense. Iguodala can teach him. Some things Draymond can teach him th- some things, and then hey, all you're gonna have to do is spot up. You're never gonna have to create offense, right? So that's where his offensive game is at this point. I think that that kind of an idea is good for Kelvin Johnson. So those are ten guys that either I'm feeling really good about, or I think that they could work out, but but I'm not as a appeal a whatever word I'm trying to say is right now appealing. Um, they're not as appealing to me. Yikes. Words are hard. They, they are sometimes. I'm trying to be like Kevin Malone. <laughs> um, less words.
0: <laughs> less words.
1: <laughs> so I think a big theme of this draft has been, though, like, there's not a lot of guys that are, like, consensus love by, by teams or by scouts or by people like us who are trying to analyze, like, what are these guys going to be in the NBA? So there, there are some guys who are definitely risky that are gonna get picked in the first round that definitely could be a reward, but understand there's risk mm. um, in this draft with, with quite a few of these guys. And so I wanna run through these actually pretty quick. Um, we'll start with, I kinda try to take one from each tier that I had on my big board. Okay um so that way we're not just talking about five guys at the top or five guys that not a lot of people care about We're trying to spread it out So Darius Garland we've mentioned him a little bit. He's like six foot two. he's only played five games at Vanderbilt due to a <laughs> knee injury. His tape makes him look like like a three point just God because he can shoot the ball from literally anywhere. He's a lot a popular comps Dame Lillard. I don't think he has the athleticism though of Dame Lillard, Um so that's important to know. But the way he didn't just shoot it off the catch, off the dribble from literally anywhere is super appealing about him. And he's actually a pretty decent point guard. Like He can pass. I wish we would have got to see more out of him. I think that's my biggest thing. So you're going off of some Team USA tape, some AAU tape, and five games against pretty low honestly competition at Vanderbilt
0: yeah because they only played
1: like what USC or something like that like yeah. a west coast team or there was they were playing small division one schools um most of the time when Garland was still active so that's why I'm, I'm just not sure with him I feel like if he would have played it all year he would have legitimately pushed John Morant for the number one point guard um mm-hmm. spot the projection still helps out kind of that with the draft we to this What could have been, though, is still helping him um, be a top 10 pick. I could see him falling anywhere from, like, number four, because that's where some people want to think he is, is number three or four. I could see him falling more to, like, six, seven, maybe even if he falls past seven, um, someone could trade up to eight or nine. But I think that's kind of where he is. He's a five to ten range guy for me. So a lot of risk there knowing the injury. But if he comes in and he, if you trust him to be your point guard, like you could be getting a huge reward here in the next couple of years. With Darius Garland, next guy's Brandon Clark, one of the weirdest guys in this draft, just straight up. <laughs> he's 6 foot 8 with a 6 foot 8 wingspan. He's 22 years old already, so that makes you he played 3 years because he played 2 at San Jose State, transferred and then played for Gonzaga this past year and he only um weighs 207 pounds so
0: on the lighter end of he things looks for like being a, 6 he, 8
1: he looks like a wing yeah he looks like a three in the nba but he's definitely a four or five so that's the concern the risk with brandon clark he needs to fill out for sure but it's like how did you play four years of college basketball and not really fill out yeah i think one he's a fantastic athlete just absolutely terrific athlete um i think he's had to work on his jump shot though because when he played at san jose state it was like he was just catapulting (laughs) the ball (laughs) it was not good he had no jump shot and then he took that year off of the transfer to work on it you saw it at gonzaga although he only shot i think like 65 percent from the free throw line that's a significant improvement from where it was he has kind of like a mid-range jumper you can kind of see the semblance of like a corner three jumper right now too if you think brandon clark can be a 30 33 percent three-point shooter from corner up to about the free throw line in the next two years you take him in the lottery if you don't think brandon clark can shoot you don't take him in the lottery (laughs) it's really that simple with him because he does everything else well.
0: Yeah, he was part of Gonzaga, a huge part of Gonzaga beating Duke early on in mm-hmm. the year. Um, awesome
1: job defending on the inside. He, I think he had a couple big blocks yeah. toward the end of that game. I think he can legit guard one through five. Yeah. And like that's just something you don't see in college guys coming out. At least not right away. And he has that right away. So there's some definite appeal there. He can jump out of the gym. You... He averaged like I think like three blocks a game this year for Gonzaga. Like the dude is a really good defensive player. He's a really smart passer. He doesn't get in the way offensively, which I think is important. It's just do you see a projectable jump shot? It's it's a risk, but there's reward. I think the biggest risk though in this draft, honestly, more than even Bo Bol, is Kevin Porter Jr because if this dude works out he is a for sure top five talent in this draft like a thousand percent sure his iso scoring um is his bread and butter he compares himself to james harden and (laughs) i maybe a little rich right now but like the isolation ability like it's the best in the draft yeah and he says he takes james harden's move and he tries it and he does it like he does it well and fluidly in the course of a game it's the team idea. He got suspended for a little bit at USC. There was conflicts with him at USC. He was away from home, um, really, for the, the first time. He's from Seattle. Um, kind of had a, a tough upbringing. He just needs like some really strong mentorship in his life. But the talent's there. He's 6'6", 215 pounds. He, he needs to get in a little better shape, but I think an NBA team can definitely do that for him. He has a premium talent in the NBA. He has ball handling ability. He can ISO score. He can knock down threes. Is that not what we talk about, what we want? I mean, that's like what you need in a big time, like scorer. Like even if you're
0: like coming off the bench to lead the scoring unit, like that's what Lou Williams does so well. Pick and roll, ISO.
1: Yeah. Ball. It's just in his head right now. Yeah. If you can get in his head and help him, because he's not a bad guy at all like it's just immaturity if you can fix that then he's gonna be a successful NBA player I I think he will succeed in the NBA I have him going number 15 to the Pistons right now um just because then you can kind of learn from like a Blake Griffin um you have someone Luke Kennard who can kind of stretch the floor also and there are pretty good team i think dwayne casey's a a good coach for this type of a guy i i wonder if though if he goes to a wrong situation if he's out of the league in four or five years there there's the risk yeah and a lot of people say just bring in someone from seattle and that'll fix it just bring in jamal crawford with him, and that'll fix it i'm not sold on that idea because it's just a city you how about we just get a guy who is a structured nba coach who is flexible with young players and can teach them why not why not just have that that's doing casey almost to a T, though so that's why i think dwayne casey would be a really strong head coach for kevin porter jr i know it's honestly the seattle um just cliche idea being thrown out there but i really like kevin porter jr If, if i really like cam reddish i really like kevin porter jr um they're kind of similar players Two more guys are both bigs, and I think the reason three of these five guys that are risks that could work out are bigs is because bigs are replaceable. I've talked about this. <laughs> bigs are replaceable. Um, maybe these are the replacements. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of combine these two. Nick Claxton, Bull Bull. Nick Claxton from the sheet of Georgia, Bull Bull from the University of Oregon. So Nick Claxton is really raw. He played two years at Georgia. His strong suits are he can grab a rebound and he can go, and then also he can block a ton of shots on the defensive end. He just needs to get stronger and a more consistent jump shot. But you can see it's there. If you don't think he can shoot, then you shouldn't pick him inside the top twenty. It's kind of the same idea with Brandon Clark, but Nick Claxton has better size. Yeah, he's six foot eleven. He has better size than Brandon Clark. If you think he can shoot, though, I think he's a top twenty draft pick. If you're a little more unsure, don't pick him in the first round, honestly. Because otherwise, he's just this really raw big man. Now, Bull Bull definitely can shoot. (laughs) He can shoot from anywhere on the basketball court. I don't think he can guard, though. Undersized big men in the NBA traditionally don't work out. So, Bull Bull, he's 7'2", but he weighed in at like 208 pounds. He was listed at Oregon at like 230, 235. So how did this guy lose 20 pounds in the offseason? Like, how does that happen? Like, most guys in the offseason put on weight. And he needed to put on weight. And he lost a significant amount of weight. This isn't like five pounds. It's like 20, 25 pounds. And maybe Oregon's program weight was just way off. They, they beefed him up. But he does look a little skinnier now. What's his uh what was his injury in college? He had a foot injury. Foot injury, that's um, right. So he only played nine games for Oregon. Again, a lot of lower competition. Very clearly though, he can if you leave him out there for long enough, he'll easily put up twenty points in a game. Yeah. That's not his issue is scoring. It's he's gonna get beat physically in the NBA. Like he's gonna get mowed over. And also unless he's literally just standing by the basket to block a shot, I don't think he can play defense. A lot of people are going to have Bobo in the lottery. I have Bobo going at number 26 to Cleveland, and that's me being nice. <laughs> like that's, I, I'm honestly more in on him at like 30 to 36 is where I, I think he's going to go in the first round just because people are enamored with the shooting ability. But, man, there's so much risk here. There really is. Because I don't know if he's going to make it on an NBA court for more than 40 games a year on average. Which is
0: not what you need from a top 20 pick if you take him
1: there. So that's why I feel better about him if you're taking him in the 20s. Yeah. If Cleveland is kind of on the idea of, okay, we got Colin Sexton, we got our top five pick because it's not going to be a big, and we get Bo bowl and these guys work out, that's a pretty decent nucleus you can build around. Pretty good core, and if he doesn't work out, you can tell like, oh, we drafted him at 26. A lot of guys at 26 don't work out. Sure. So maybe that's that's kind of my sweet spot for like the risk is worth the reward. And so those are kind of five guys. Like I'm I'm cooler than being taken in the in the first round for sure. But understand like they're not for sure guys. Yeah. Now the last five set of guys we have are kind of influenced from the finals. We talked about how, yeah, Kawhi deserved the MVP. Yes, Golden State probably wins if they have KD and Clay and Steph all at full force. But we admitted on the podcast during all of our emergency finals pods, those role guys made a difference. Like Absolutely. those those late first round type guys, those second round type guys, they they matter. They matter in the NBA still. Even if they're only giving you 10 or 15 minutes a night, it's important, especially in the playoffs. And the season's 82 games. If you're doing load management with your stars, like you've got to have someone playing their minutes. So I wanted to throw out five last guys, These are the last five guys we're going to talk about, that I think can be that 10, 15-minute guy who can be a really good role player for your team. And it's going to work out for you. So three guys who might go in the first round, two guys that I think are definitely second-rounders, so, a lot of guys getting a lot of hype, especially for your OKC Thunder, is Matisse Thibel, Um from the University of Washington. Uh, he played four years there. Fantastic defender. He may be the best wing defender in the draft. I think he, uh, you know what, he is the best wing defender in the draft. That's why Sam Presley is going to love the dude. And it, based off of his type, that makes sense. Yeah. I think he can shoot threes, though. I'm not sure. That definitely fits Sam Presti. <laughs> so the the concern with Matisse Theibel, um, it's like he was shooting in like high 30s, low 40s at Washington like his first three years, but on low volume. And this last year as a senior, when he had to step up to being a higher volume shooter, it went down to like 30%. And that's at the college three-point line. Wait till you step back a right. couple steps in the NBA so that's kind of the, the concern is okay he can sh- he can defend sure yeah he can play in transition sure but what about half court offense can Matisse Thybul really do anything for you <sighs> I don't know I think so yeah I think so but understand like it's has got to be low volume he's literally catch and shoot on offense from the corner and that is it that is his offensive role well, if he comes to the Thunder, that's all, all the shots
0: he's going to get is catch and shoot in the corner because Russell Westbrook yeah. and Paul George aren't giving up that ball. <laughs> and so maybe that's
1: why he'll go 21 to yeah. the Thunder. And really, him um, and a couple other spots I could see in the first round. But otherwise, I would much prefer him in the second round. I think if Philly, who has 33 and 34 um, in the second round, if, if I'm right off the top of my head, yeah. If he could fall to them, they would absolutely love that. Or maybe they just snag him at 24. But those type of teams who just need a guy to stand in the corner on offense and get out of the way and hit an occasional three might take a flyer on him at the end of the first round. He should not be a top 20 pick. There is very little upside there. But he's a really good defender. And that matters. That is worth it. I like defense. Just not in the top 20. Yeah. <laughs> not that much. Right. Exactly. Not with this NBA. Like, you no. have to do something else. You have to. you got to play on both ends. Yep. So... A guy, he just—he's such a weird physical profile. So Admiral Schofield from Tennessee. What a name! I know, Oh, I know. And he looks it too, like just absolutely jacked. Um, <laughs> He—he's shorter, so he height-wise, he kind of gets into the Zion problem um, of being only six foot five and a quarter in shoes, um, so a little smaller than Zion but he weighs 240 pounds. So kind of in the same Grant Williams um, idea, but he's got a 6'10 wingspan. Yeah. So again, long, big arms. Like you could, you will tell when he walks on an NBA floor, like, Oh, that guy is Admiral Scofield. Like, the name <laughs> fits him. He played um, all four years at Tennessee. So a little bit older, I would love to see him as a small ball power forward. That's my thing for him. Um, if if he can find that role in the NBA, I think he'll be wildly successful. I would love for him to go at number 35 to the Atlanta Hawks, knowing that they're trying to build their team like the Warriors. Draymond Green. <laughs> I don't, I'm, again, we've said it. We can't compare anyone defensively to Draymond because he's in the 99th percentile. Boy, Admiral Schofield's a really good defender. He's a really good rebounder. He's a good catch and shoot three guy. He's a smart passer a little undersized but he kind of makes up for it um because he's a little bit quicker i would love for him to go 35 i don't know if he's gonna be there for atlanta at 35 or if they'll even end up picking him there maybe he falls to atlanta at 41 but i would love to see him in that small ball role and just be on a team that loves to run
0: yeah i was thinking before you mentioned atlanta i was like man this guy would fit just so well with atlanta because like
1: you have John Collins. Like, he could play a center. Oh, and, and like, those small ball lineups of Collins at five, that's it. Yeah. You get a wing up there in the top 10, and all of a sudden you got Trey Young, Kevin Herter, like a Cam Reddish type wing or a Jarrett Culver type wing, Admiral Schofield, and John Collins in your small ball lineups. You're running and gunning for. Days And that's awesome. Like, you got guys who can screen for
0: each other. Like, Trae Young can shoot the ball from anywhere. And, like, you've got finishers around the rim. And, like, that's it. Like, that you is, can play a lot of dudes off the floor without that. That is out.
1: sprawl ball at its finest. Yes. that And so, yes, there is a certain fit for Admiral Schofield in the NBA that will work out. There's also, if you just kind of expect him to come in and be, like, a small forward, I don't know if it works out. But if you are flexible as a team with positions, man, Admiral Schofield needs to be a guy you're targeting at the beginning of the second round. Um, or maybe even at the end of the first round if you're not loving anyone else there. I would totally understand that. We we say shooting's a premium. That is my problem with Matisse Theibel. Uh, so this is antithesis Matisse Theibel. This is Dylan Windler. Next. Six foot seven wing from Belmont. May have seen him in the tournament um, he shoot the lights out he can he was going consistently for 20 25 30 35 at Belmont um, just because they needed something to score and he can shoot it from anywhere he's got good size kind of in that same cam Johnson idea um, from North Carolina that I mentioned earlier he actually has he's is he the sneaky white athlete? Um. <laughs> yes, he he is. Um. It's just a matter of defensive limitations. Yeah. The the athleticism actually kind of translates on the offensive end. He's he's on one hundred ninety five pounds, so you wonder if it translates on the defensive end quite as much. But he's not going to do anything super wrong. He's going to know his role in the NBA, and he's going to play it really well. So, again, late first, top 10 second round pick, Dylan Windler would help 30 NBA franchises tomorrow. And that's part of the appeal of getting a four-year guy out of college who's developed a shooting ability and knows how to play a role. That's kind of what you're looking for in Dylan Windler. He's going to be a nice piece. He's going to stick around the NBA for 8, 10, 12 years, in my opinion.
0: A J.J. Redick type, essentially.
1: Yeah. His ceiling is... Not that high. His floor
0: is just right below it. Like, he's a very specific yeah. type of player, role player,
1: but, like, can Again, shoot the ball. Again, playoff yeah. team, you you want another shooter, another floor spacer, here Great. you go. Yep. There it is. Now, the next one, he was starting to get some first-round buzz. It was Chumo Okiki from Auburn. Probably more of a power forward in the NBA. Um, I guess he could play the three a little, but probably a four. He tours ACL in the NCAA tournament. When Auburn was going on on their magical run Um, really unfortunate so he needs some time to recover I I think he really needs to spend most of next year in the G League even when he does get back Um, but man he can really score he really can score Um, he he's a good player with the ball in his hands Um, you don't find that for many fours but he can also catch and shoot three Um, so there's a lot of potential there still on the offensive end which we're not When you get to second round guys, usually you don't see potential and instant ability. Again, his thing is the injury. He probably would have been in the 20 to 30 range for me if he didn't have the injury. So if you can get him in the 30 to 48 range, you're getting really good value. Yeah, he was the best player on that
0: floor, like on the floor before he injured his Mm -hmm. ACL. I forgot, were, were they
1: playing North Carolina? I think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, we've talked a lot about a North Carolina guys. Like, to say he was the best player on the floor during that game yeah. says a lot. And he was awesome. It's too bad he went yeah. down, but you're absolutely right. Like, dude, dude, you can just, like, play basketball. And you need those dudes you on, do. on your team at at just some level. I like, don't we, know, yeah. we keep saying it. Don't play dudes who suck. And your team's going to be good. Wow. What a
1: concept, right? <laughs> and he can defend multiple positions, too. Like, he's long enough to guard fours. He's quick enough to guard twos. I think he's a two through four defender, maybe even ones in occasional switches. So it's like he he can switch. He he fits what the modern NBA is becoming. Mm. So I think he's a guy you definitely need to take a flyer on early in the second round if he's there. And then the last guy, this is my I someone asked me like, who's the Fred Van Fleet of this draft? Like that just really good point guard who maybe doesn't do one thing great but is really good at everything and knows how to run a team. And the guy that instantly came to my mind was Justin Robinson. So he's from Virginia Tech, played I think all four years there. He's a senior, can definitely hit threes, was a fantastic shooter. Now he missed about half the year for Virginia Tech this last year with a foot injury, which really sucked because he would have been first team all ACC guard. And knowing all the guys that Duke and North Carolina and Florida State and Syracuse bring in, like He would have been first-team all-ACC point guard, honestly. Crazy. And he was second-team ACC last year. He's gotten better every single year. He's a super smart passer. He's Virginia Tech's all-time leader in assists. And they're a really good basketball program. Yeah. So that means something. And he's, like, fine defensively. Like, he doesn't get just blown by. Like, he's serviceable. He's not great. He He's not going to be an all-NBA type but just a really stout defender who's smart and doesn't just unnecessarily foul people is Justin Robinson. Yes, he's smaller, smaller than you would like. He's six, I think he's like 6'2", 180, 190. So you wish he was a little bigger, but if you're looking for a wonderful backup point guard who's going to stick around for a long time and be smart with the ball and hit open shots, Justin Robinson. I mean, that's that's the comp right fred van fleet like he's six foot he was
0: was arguably like the best player for toronto in that closeout game six um which is nuts and like you can see it like justin robinson
1: obviously can just like hit shots which is insane um but yeah i i have justin robinson um going 60th so last pick in the draft um to the sacramento kings it's I have him as a plus 10 value. It means on my big board, he's number 50. So I think any team in that 45 to 60 range that you're like, man, we would love a point guard right now. He, he should be someone you are strongly considering if you still have that open roster spot. I understand if you need to stash a guy, why you might not take him. But if man, it would be really hard if I'm Philly at 54, if you have a roster spot because T.J. McConnell's going somewhere else if that ends up happening, it would be really hard to pass on Justin Robinson. He's just one of those guys who's gonna play well in the NBA. He's gonna stick around for a while. Kind of like how Jalen Brunson is yeah. playing really well for the Mavs this year. Maybe that's a little bit more fair of a comparison because Fred VanVleet just was on an absolute tear um, this postseason. He's just gonna come in tomorrow and play well. I like Justin Robinson a lot. Guards win games. Man, it's incredible, man! People <laughs> who can shoot the basketball from three, man, incredible. Incredible concepts there, Matt.
0: This was uh, an amazing podcast because obviously, like, you just gave us a rundown of some of your favorite prospects um, and least favorite pros- prospects and everyone, everything in between. Uh, what to look for on Thursday night at six p.m. We will be doing a like draft like I don't know like recap on semi-emergency semi-emergency uh over the weekend um so look for that coming next early next week um after that
1: you know what's fired around the quarterback free agency free agency on June 30th hey a couple free agency things while we were potting um Harrison Barnes is turning down his 25 million dollar player option but he's open to staying with the Kings on a new deal and then Hassan, Hassan Whiteside is, of course, opting in to his um, absolutely massive, like I think it's like $25 million player option with <laughs> Miami. Awesome. Him and Steven Adams and Anthony Davis making all the same money. Yikes. It's crazy. when We you wonder put... why two of those teams involved with those guys are in massive cap trouble. <laughs> Who could have guessed that giving that
0: much money, almost 25% of your cap space would have given you trouble. But that's for another time. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Remember to give us a rating and a review. Let us know how we did with this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We are on Instagram. Go follow us at Couch GM Podcast uh, on Instagram. Uh, give us a shout-out on there as well. Um, Matt, thank you so much for bringing me on the draft because I am very excited for the draft night. Let's go. Thursday, 6 p.m. (laughs) We will see you guys back uh, next week on our Draft Recap Podcast.